Wow, magic makers. Today's episode is going to be one of the most inspiring and just value-packed episodes ever. I have Shay Brown, the COO and co-founder of the Bucket List Bombshells on with me today. Um, The Bucket List Bombshells, if you haven't heard of them, it's a multi-million dollar online educational community that equips and empowers women with confidence and a business foundation to start a remote service-based online business. So I know that sounds like very official, but what it means, like boiling it down, is they have so many resources for women in business to up-level both their mindset and their actual business knowledge. So of course, I was so drawn and so excited to speak with Shay, who's the COO. And one thing that we touched on, she's one half of this business, um, and her partner in crime, Cassie, the CEO, is just as talented and vibrant and wonderful, but I haven't spoken to someone who has a successful business who is in a business partnership yet. So in this episode, we get into why they decided to make that decision to go into business together, how they communicate healthily and effectively to ensure that everything is getting done, how they divide and conquer, how they took a bunch of personality tests to really understand what their strengths were and how to play to those strengths. It was such an educational moment for me in asking for help. Because even if you don't have a business partner, you may be in a place where you're thinking, you know, someday I would really like to hire someone to do this, or gosh, I could really use help in this area. So this conversation is amazing to actually give you some practical tips on how to identify your strong suits and either hire out or partner with others to fill in the gaps of the things that maybe aren't your zone of genius or that you simply just don't know yet. Um, And let me tell you, nobody better than Shay. She's currently running a 20-person remote team while leading this community of over 100,000 female entrepreneurs and students from all over the world. And one of the reasons I love talking to Shay, too, is they specialize in helping people run remote businesses. So they are the queens of figuring out how to make it financially successful to work for yourself from anywhere in the world. That's very, very important to them. Um, Something that was also awesome about this conversation, and I wasn't expecting to talk about this, but, you know, the last few years in the online business, remote business community, There's been just, it started out like really hustle culture, really, really hard. I would say maybe like 2016-ish, that was like the thing, right? Hustle, side hustle. And then it grew more to like step back from your business, take your hands off the wheel, like automate everything, right? And that was really effective for a time, but we are actually right on the cusp of a new trend in 2022 right now on a really um, a shift back into high touch point, like interpersonal, authentic relationships and how to nurture people towards becoming not just a one-time buyer, but a fan of your brand and someone who's going to buy like everything you put out into the world. So Shay is really on the cusp of something special here. And in this conversation, we talk about that shift from hands-off, impersonal online businesses that are just fully automated to where there's just no personal touch anymore to how to shift, like actual practical ways to shift into this new approach where you are doing more frequent, more involved, higher touch points. And Shay argues, and I believe her, I mean, my God, the proof is in the pudding. She argues we need that high touch kind of style if we want to scale to six and seven figures in today's online business market. So you guys know the, okay, 
That was a, I don't know if that the mic picked that up, but that was a helicopter, not a fart, you guys. <laughs> it sounded, I was like, what is that sound that sounds like a long fart? It's a helicopter. <laughs> okay. So now that we've established that that was not a fart and that was a helicopter, um, I also want to say, you know, I, of course, wanted to speak to Shay about mental health and mindset. And she was so excited to dive into this because bucket list bombshells, as I said, they have both sides of that coin. They have the the business acumen, but they also are just as focused on wellness In their membership, they do one full like wellness uh, deep dive as well as one full business deep dive. I'm so excited to be connected to them and to see where our partnership eventually leads. But for now, please enjoy this amazing conversation with Shay Brown of Bucket List Bombshells. Highly recommend having a pen and paper for this one. Also, I do want to call out that there's an amazing freebie at the end that is in the bottom of the show notes as well for a full um, two weeks completely free of this membership. I'm super excited to try it. I hope you try it with me (laughs) because how many of us get held back simply because we don't know what we don't know? Or we feel like, I don't understand the technology of building a funnel, or I don't understand how to actually create a quote-unquote real business plan. This is just so empowering, and I'm really, really excited to share it with you guys. So please enjoy this conversation with Shay Brown of Bucket List Bombshells. Shay, thank you so much for being here on Find Your Magic. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to sit down with you today. I personally love being on podcasts. So thank you so much for the invite. Same, same. I think that there's something really special about podcasts because there's nothing like hearing someone's voice, like hearing Mm -hmm. where they're coming from, the tone of where they're coming from. I mean, I'm a copywriter, so I love writing in the written word, but I also completely acknowledge that there's just, it hits different podcast hit different. <laughs> I feel like Chris, I know that in copywriting, we are supposed to have our brand voice and it comes across, but I feel like for personality and like actually sort of just talking about the like relevance of, you know, whatever is going on today or my opinions on what's happening, like in the now, I love podcasts for that. Well, that God, you teed yourself up so perfectly there. Oh, did um, I? Yeah, no, because I want to talk to you about something mm-hmm. that you sent in, which was about mm-hmm. making a shift from mm-hmm. impersonal, digital, like large volume business yeah. mm-hmm. to a much more personal, high touch point business model. Mm-hmm that yeah. more authentic place um, and seeing more success with that. So can you start with talking about kind of what made you transition into that idea, that feeling like, cause you have such a successful business on the other side of that. So yeah. I'm curious what made the switch. Yeah. So that's such a great question. It's something, I mean, I sent in like little notes on it cause I really, um, love talking about that this year specifically, because I think it's such a hot trend. And I think it's, I've been doing a lot more research and reading around how to have more personal connections and personal touch points with your audience, because from where this came from was really, you know, it's been about, I mentioned this already to about a decade that I've been in business, which is just crazy to me to even think about. But when I first started out, it was, the landscape was so different mm. and social media was sort of just taking off. I think right in the beginning, I, I was even a social media manager and it was like completely self-taught. Like, Dude, like 2012, 2013 <laughs> is a different lifetime, yes. a different yeah. Lifetime. I mean, I remember my like nerdy blog that I had in 2012 Ah, that was, God, it was called Hole in the Wallet. And I would fake expensive recipes. I was like, I'm going to be a food blogger for two months. It was so silly. I wish I still had it. It's it's in the ether of the internet somewhere. But Uh, anyway, 2012, different time. Yeah. (laughs) We had a blog too uh, called Girl and Her GoPro. And so she started out travel (laughs) blogging. And it was just like, that was, you know, 
you know, as we were building our service-based businesses at the time, she was also had this blog and it was just back then so fun. And, you know, back then social media, the algorithms were not focused on this, you know, paid advertising aspect or conversions aspect yet. Like, I think it was just sort of coming. I think we did like, we tried like paid advertising or something once and then we were like, um, that would, didn't work. Um, yeah. it wasn't until like, I think a few years later where that really became a thing. So in the beginning, the touch points there were very authentic, very genuine. You know, when someone responded to an email or responded to a DM, there was a physical person on the other side, usually the owner of the business, especially we were all us kind of content creators, yeah. course creators, that thing, that kind of industry was just shaping itself. And so over time though, you know, advertising came out, automation came out, bots came out, mm-hmm. the industry and really in business, at least for me in my industry was very much, how can you automate as much as possible? Because you should, you should be out of your business. You should be, you know, either team members should be doing it, but really at the end of the day, all the platforms out there was all about automation and it still mm-hmm. is that way today. And I think what happened there, you know, was this sort of loss of the personal connection that I kind of, I see now as a trend Mm. coming back, especially because social media in itself became this sort of, uh, fancy or fancy is not the right word, like picture perfect landscape Mm -hmm. and the authenticity got so lost and everybody, even their average person was almost like marketing themselves and everybody felt you know, comparison or FOMO Mm -hmm. or, you know, and then there was like right around 2019, I saw a lot of people in my industry getting, and people in general getting just burnt out from social media. And there was this call back to authenticity, like, show me what's really going on, you know, show me the realness. Like, I just want to talk to a person. I don't want to get on with a bot or I don't want to have this email that seems impersonal or I don't, you know, I just want to know, like, if I'm taking a course, or this is what I've kind of seen up to taking a course, I want some hands on interactions with the person teaching me, because self paced was great. And I think it still works really well for for a lot of people. But I, the shift that I'm seeing is that we're so inundated with so much content, there's so many content creators out there that we keep buying courses or downloading free products or, you know, all this self-pacing and we have to consume it or there's YouTube, you know, or free, just YouTube videos all the time. Everyone is like, need self-taught. And I think we got overwhelmed, kind of exhausted by that. We never really completed things. And so what I saw a big trend coming uh, this year and what we, you know, kind of switched to a different model was having more what we call like high touch point access points with your consumer base and doing it in a way that is still not, you know, in the beginning is very time consuming. And if you're just one person, it is hard to build those connections, but I do feel like either you can train team members to help with that, or you can do it in a way where you're, you're including some sort of high touch point within like a course or within a product or service. And and getting back to that realness, like not now then I feel like fake authenticity came out like back to just like having a conversation with someone who's interested in purchasing your product or has purchased your product, for example, a course and providing something like a live Q&A or a maybe one coaching call or something where you're have a plan for them to actually complete what you've created. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to, I want to pause you there because I think that is such a good, no, I, that's such a good nugget focusing on how can I get this person who has paid me for my expertise to complete mm-hmm. the program that I've created for them? Because mm-hmm. that is something that I think tons of people miss because mm-hmm. when you get people to actually complete the program that can then turn into an additional marketing funnel. Mm -hmm. I think um, so many entrepreneurs get really hung up on, well, I have to be financially successful. So Mm -hmm. I have to get all of the leads and I just have to get people to buy. I just have to get people to buy, get people to buy, get people to buy, which of course leads you to burnout. Mm -hmm. Guilty as charged. I mean, 
I think it's, it's just like constantly having to find new leads all the time, Mm. instead of being able to nurture people who already know, like, and trust you to buy Mm. additional programs or not even thinking of it that way, but getting additional support from you and baseline completing the thing they bought in the first place is an excellent way to think of it because it's like almost like getting new leads. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that because that's sort of exactly the next stage. Mm -hmm. And I think like the first part is we built this, these, you know, everyone, we build all these uh, digital products and the goal is to get someone some results. Right. Mm -hmm. But just like you said, I feel like there's started to be a disconnect between actually seeing results that people are getting and this like desire to just be like, I need a new lead. I need a new lead. I need a new conversion and everything has to be automated. And I don't really care who takes it as long as they purchase it. And like, I don't, this is getting a little harsh and judgy, but like, I, you know, seeing like, I don't really care if they get the results. I've seen that a lot in my industry. They don't actually care about the results. Well, and that's the thing is, can people be honest with themselves about that? Because that's, you know, this podcast is all about mental health and entrepreneurship. Mm. And I think that, ooh, I mean, to put my therapist hat on for a second, (laughs) probably a lot of people are afraid to admit that they don't care, right? Yeah. Because there's a big shame spiral waiting for you on the other side if you admit that, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Oof. That's, that's no small potatoes. Like that's big work. That's big work. That's a big question to ask yourself. And I think if you're willing to look at that and and it's okay, if the answer comes up is no, because I do think that that's what happened. I think it just became, oh, this is a business and I need to get conversions, get leads. At least what I had seen in the, in the personal brand and course creator industry, I can't really speak for other, you know, physical products or that kind of stuff. But I think there was that shift. And it's like, if you can actually admit that and then say, well, I'm going to make a change. It's okay that that's happened. We were all there. We've all been there where you get so removed. And I think it's because you get so disconnected from the real person buying that you don't see them like that person that you're trying to get results for. And, and I, and I love what you had said about the kind of next stage of like leads. So like marrying the two of mindset and then entrepreneurship, like it is, um, I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but it is like way easier to convert someone who already has a like, no Mm -hmm. trust factor from you. And I think what, um, became less exhausting was just reaching out to current students and saying, what other products and services do you want to see? What else would you want us to create for you? And just like you said, people don't really want to go somewhere else. If they like, know and trust, you and they liked your product. And regardless of if you cared or don't care about the results, your product in the beginning, if you, I'm sure was, it is a good product and is getting results. It's kind of that shift between, well, let's add some more touch points in so we can actually get people to complete things nowadays and see the results. But then the next part is, is why don't you ask your customers, Hey, what do you want me to create? When we did that, we ended up creating, I think, was it last year or or now over, I got my years confused. (laughs) What is time? Yeah, I know after COVID, it's like, what is time really? when someone is in business for a while and you ask them like, what's the one thing you wish you had done sooner? My answer is I wish I had migrated all of the different platforms that I was using to Kajabi way sooner than I did. I dragged my feet because I was nervous. Technology was intimidating to me. I was totally on my own. I didn't have a team. And when I finally pulled the trigger and signed up for Kajabi, You guys, it was like night and freaking day. They have the best customer service that I've ever experienced. They have a incredible like video library and knowledge base. So any question you have, there's like little videos that show you exactly how to do things. And if you can't figure it out from the videos, you can chat with a customer support rep right there in real time. I'm telling you, like, it's not just 
for online course programs. When you hear Kajabi, you probably are thinking of their online courses or hosting an online course, but it is so much more than that. I have all of my templates on there. It handles all of my payments for me. It like whenever somebody buys something, it just goes right into my bank account. I handle all my emails from there, all of my marketing funnels, opt-ins, landing pages, you name it. I do it on Kajabi. They're offering a free 30-day trial to find your magic listeners right now. To check that out and read more about the platform, go to kelseyforemost.com slash Kajabi. That's kelseyforemost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. (laughs) We created a whole new suite of eight mini courses just based off of what our current audience, current students had asked for. Mm -hmm. And then later we also created the collective and other different products and services based off of what they were asking for. So I found that really interesting. And I think if you can add those touch points to just reach out and ask, that's a touch point in itself. So let's define touch point for anybody who maybe isn't aware of that term. Um, What is a touch point? What is a high touch point? Yeah. And Um, maybe what are some examples that you could share? That's a great question. Um, I love I it. Try. Uh, yeah. Why not? Um, no one's asked me that before. I love it. Um, so I would say a touch point is any interaction that you have with the client or potential customer or, or customer that you have. So essentially there, the touch point to me is they've engaged with you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is the proper definition. I'm just going to give you guys my definitions. That's so like a want. touch point to me is that like, I've maybe I've sent an email and they've responded to me. Um, and you know, a touch point technically could be like, they read the email, like that is a kind of like one opening. They took an action. They opened yeah, the email, sure. open the email, that kind of thing. Or they've engaged with a social media post kind of this, you know, there's a start of a conversation, but it kind of ends there. And it's just, okay. I sent the email. They responded. Um, maybe an email format, you would respond back, but sometimes, you know, a social media post, a comment or a like mm-hmm. um, goes unanswered. And it's sort of like, that's the end of, of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's great. You've impacted them. They've gotten another, you know, uh, there is marketing stats where they need like seven touch points. So seven of these interactions with you mm-hmm. um, to make a purchase, which I think always really shocks people. It did with, for me anyway, yeah. beginning. I was like, wait, well, it do- yeah, for sure. Time. And I absolutely, I mean, yeah. that's one of the main reasons that I say copywriting is so important mm-hmm. because if you're inconsistent with how you speak about yourself or how you show up or describe how you help people, it's confusing. And people don't interact with you anymore. You have to stay consistent so that when they get to that seventh, eighth, ninth time, they really know who you are and actually trust you in order to buy from you. It's so important. And the other thing too, is not all touch points are created equal, right? Like a social media uh, post is not going to be historically as effective as getting someone to interact in an inbox. So yeah. email yeah. copywriting is so important. Just, yes. you know, nerdy, <laughs> nerdy copywriter moment. A message is six times more likely to be seen in an inbox than it, it is, is on a social feed. Yes. <laughs> no, nuggets because copywriting seriously is the foundation of any online or any business really now. It's true. But I digress. No, that was so, good. That's maybe a good example of a high touch point. So let's talk about a high touch point, which to me means like you're actually engaging them in a back and forth. Yeah, exactly. So I think the difference between like a touch point is they've read something by you. So they're like, they've actually read it and hopefully engaged with it. The high touch point is usually more time consuming on your end. You are spending time to follow up, to engage. Maybe you're even a very high touch point would be like getting on a call with someone, you know, if you're doing market research or you're doing, um, if you're offering in a service, that's a coaching call. That would be a high touch point opportunity they're seeing your face or at least they're interacting with you and it's not a bot that is actually you and what your response is is tailored to whatever they've said 
to you, what, however they've engaged. It's a very tailored moment. Do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you, I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. Now, here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter. But honestly, that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business, which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, aka people who are truly going to give you their monies, to how to write a website that converts start to finish, and finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So if you want to learn more about copy class, see what's inside, and hear from past students, head to kelseyformost.com slash copy class. That's kelseyformost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. Yeah, I love that. Yes. And there's nothing that will help someone understand how you can help them better than actually learning how you can help them. Yes, exactly. And it's so trite, but so true. The most successful businesses that I've seen are the ones who really focus on that because there's really only one question in every single person's mind when they interact with a business online. And that's what's in it for me, which I know sounds like kind of womp womp depressing, But it's true. It's true. Everyone just wants to know what's in it for me. And if you can't answer that question, then see ya. That's actually the kind of going to like your offerings of copywriting. The number one mistake I see with my uh, students is on their about page. They talk about themselves. You, I can see you totally know where I'm going. I'm nodding along, which is like 101 what you want. (laughs) Yes. They talk about themselves and their interests, why they started the business, all these quirky things about them. And that's great. And maybe can be incorporated in a different way, maybe towards the bottom of the page, trivia, whatever, that's fine. I'm not saying remove you, but the about page, I think people think it's about them. The about page should actually be about why someone should hire you or like, what is what you just said? What is the benefit? What it's in it for them? Like somehow you got to spin and you can probably speak to this better because I don't do the copywriting, but (laughs) you have to spin that about page to somehow be about them. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Shay, why don't we put a teaser in this episode for Mm -hmm. your podcast, Bucket List Mm -hmm. Bombshells, and let's make a date. We're recording our episode next week, and let's do a copywriting and about page 101 section. Let's just say we're going to do that, and I will go through exactly what I tell people to do on their about pages in my signature course copy class, but also like just in life with clients I'm working with Um, uh, teaser. There's something that I love to do called the, do you dream about section? And it helps you put a positive spin on customers' pain points. So if you want to hear that, tune into bucket list bombshells. (laughs) Nice. Oh, you're good. You're good. That was great. I love it. Can't wait to have all y'all listeners over there too. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You guys are going to love it. It's an amazing podcast. So Shay, I would love 
to talk a little bit, because again, you know, we're about mental health here too, and mindset and really understanding, like there's so much more that goes into building a sustainable business Mm -hmm. than just how to sell things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a partner in business, Cassie, Mm -hmm. and I would love if you could speak a little bit to the choice to have a partner in business Mm -hmm. and any like, I mean, we won't, we won't like crap on Cassie, but I would love to know, like, were there any challenges with having a partner? How did you work through those challenges? I'm super curious because you're the first person I think I've had on Find Your Magic who has like a partner in crime. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such an interesting question. You really, I love your questions. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are curious and a lot of people think, um, you know, it's easier with a partner. And then I get the other people thinking, oh, it must be so difficult with a partner. And I, you know, your podcast is called find your magic. And I'm going to be really cheesy here and just say that I have a magical partnership. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing happy our magic. And so the question to me is always a little bit complicated to answer because, mm-hmm. um, I don't, we've read so many books. And so I will give some practical advice. We have read books and stuff like that. And I do find that there is something I can't pinpoint and I can't explain Mm. that works for us. And so it was a very natural sort of transition to become partners. So Mm. in the beginning we met and we were running our service-based businesses in uh Cass had a graphic design studio and I was an operations business manager. Um later we ended up doing a and we traveled the world together so we got to know each other really well. We obviously lived together. Um so that was like for a few first couple years of starting our businesses and growing those to be both very successful and we ended up collaborating. So this is kind of where I, I, my advice would start. If someone is looking for a business partner, we started collaborating where we were still our own entities, but we were offering a joint project. Cause I started getting, I went, got into website design and so did Cassie and I got into um, funnels specifically um, and conversions and that kind of stuff. And she got really into the branding and the copywriting. She's a really good copywriter and um, the design. And so we kind of married the two. It was design and tech, which later now we have courses called the design skills course, the tech skills course. Yes. Um, and so we, you know, we collabed as separate entities in that way. And we just gelled really well in terms of you know, making decisions together, being on the same page about things. Mm-hmm. And the Buckleist bombshells really came out of a passion that we both had because we were traveling the world and we were meeting women and they were not working. They were usually um, boyfriends or uh, had boyfriends, sorry, or had par- uh, husbands and they were more doing the, the work online. And so mm-hmm. they asked, you know, what, how do you do this? So we just started having these coffee conversations. And one day we said, well, why don't I, we had seen like courses were a thing. And we said, well, why don't we teach a course? And we started a Facebook group at the beginning Mm -hmm. of this free and all this stuff. And so we fell into it in a sense. In that way, we went into it very strategically and, and smartly in terms of what we discussed, but what makes us work. Um, I think at the end of the day, if I can kind of boil it down was that we have the same values. We were raised Mm -hmm. very similarly. We have very similar values and we've done a lot of personality tests. And while we're very different personality wise, there's a lot of personality tests that we've done where it shows that our personality types work well together. Compliment. That's so interesting. What are they? If you don't mind me asking like your, um, do you know your like Myers-Briggs or your Enneagram or anything it, it like that? It was the, I think it was the Enneagram. That's the one that has the nine numbers, right? It's been a little, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So the Enneagram has actually been the most insightful. Mm. Um, and so I'm a type five and Cass is a type seven oh. and we're on the similar um, line and we have a similar wing. We both are wing six and a lot of our sixes comes into our value system and decision-making system. And we're on the same line, meaning that a seven in their like worst self goes to, oh no, no, in their best self goes to a five 
which is me. Mm -hmm. And in my worst self, I go to a seven, which is Cass. Mm -hmm. So it's, we have similarities that have hindered us in that regard because we are similar. And then, and then we've also seen very positive things in that regard because we're similar. Um, but we're very different too. It's like hard to describe. We're different, but similar. And I think the only way I've really, and the Enneagram help with this, so really what I found was our core belief system, value system, um, the way that we show up in the world and the visions that we had for the company have always been very aligned. And that's where I think magically aligned. Um, Have you guys been really vocal about it with each other? Like, do you do strategy meetings? Do you, cause I feel like um, hilariously while you're talking about the Enneagram, y'all, I'm going to put an Enneagram test that I love in the show notes. Cause we have not really talked about the Enneagram on this show, but it's something that's kind of new to me. The guy that I'm dating now, one of the first questions he asked me was, what's your Enneagram type? Oh my gosh. I would totally marry someone if they asked me that. <laughs> I was so shocked. I was like, man, my, my internalized, uh, my, like I, I was surprised that a guy was so into that. He was like, no, I think it's really helpful in understanding people so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be surprised how accurate it is. And mm-hmm. I'm a two, mm-hmm. which is yep. like very nurturing, giving. And when I'm my best, I go to a four, which is like a, a very almost like artistic. Um, oh experience. yes. That's the creative one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then at my worst, I go to eight, which is like, mm. like very st- stubborn almost. Yes. And my best self is an eight. And I know lots about the eight. <laughs> yes. Okay. So my guy is an eight. Oh, <laughs> my dad's an eight and Aww. the type five goes to their best self on an eight and eight goes to their worst self on a five. I think I have to, I might be getting the lines mixed up. It's so, I know if you don't know what the Enneagram is, you guys, you're like, what the heck are they talking about? I love it. I know it's so fun. Honestly, I'll put the test in the show notes, take it Mm -hmm. and weep. It's going to make you feel like weirdly seen and maybe a little defensive. (laughs) Yes. I'm very curious, actually, if you guys take the test, drop your Enneagram type in the comments of this episode, because I'm super curious. I'm super, super curious. But what I wanted, what I started to say was Mm. knowing your personality types Mm. and like Mm -hmm. having that complementariness um, mm-hmm. like that is kind of a magic recipe, mm-hmm. but being vocal about that, I think mm-hmm. is so important. I think a lot of people don't are afraid to kind of vocalize, Hey, this feels good to me. Mm. These are my values. This makes me feel defensive. Like yeah. it's almost like bringing therapy in. Cause you guys are in yeah. a relationship, right? It's like, yeah. do you ever need couples therapy, business <laughs> couples therapy? <laughs> um, I think because we use so much, uh, like we're very big on like reading and learning. We both really like that. So I think, and the personality tests, and we're both communicative. And at the end of the day, we're also best friends, which adds another layer to it. And our lives have been up until a few years ago, very intertwined mm-hmm. in terms of living together, working together, having the same friends, traveling together. Um, and I think, again, there's a magic to whatever it is that our, you know, paths were put together for that, um, that I think communication, um, was so key, not just in our partnership in, um, in, within the business, but within our friendship. Mm -hmm. And so for us, um, we've never done, uh, we've seen people do that before, like business coaching and that kind of stuff. We've never done it for our relationship. We've done it for our business. business. Um, but I think really the personality tests really helped a lot. Enneagram for sure helped a lot. And, um, I think that kind of going back, you had a second question around, um, conflict or, or like challenges. And I think the only challenge, and again, I know people just this, like, don't love that. I have literally, I have no conflict. I don't have conflict. (laughs) That's okay. That's, Um, that's, is totally okay. People always want to scoop. I'm like, I I can't. Well, but isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that we expect conflict when two women are in business together? Yes. Yes. When in reality, I'm sure it's probably way easier to be in business with your best friend than like 
someone that you are just in business with and there is no personal connection. So I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. It's always been very interesting to me that one of the first assumptions or questions I get when I talk about a partnership, um, is definitely like, uh, assuming that it's hard or, or there's conflict or that Mm. kind of stuff, which always was very strange to me, but, um, but we did, I would say that the challenge for those of you who maybe are in a partnership or considering a partnership, um, the challenge, the main challenge I felt like we faced in business was really defining and separating our roles. So in the beginning, you most likely are doing everything together. Like Cass and I didn't have a team for the first, I think, three, maybe two to three years of our business. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we did everything, right? So you wear all hats. You're also making all decisions together. You're, you don't really have a defined because we're very skilled at a lot of things. We don't really have a defined sort of roles. And so there it was, we were in a, I guess a coaching program, you would call it, um, with Adrian Dorison. And she does, uh, has a program called run like clockwork. And it's all about, um, basically having really smooth operations in your business, but, um, defining roles and hiring and different stuff. And we ended up finding that I would say this would be the only like challenge that we faced was like really defining, like what, I do in my secret sauce and what Cassie does in her secret sauce and like amplify those and sort of have more separations because there's two of us at the helm. We could, you know, we grew very fast. We can grow faster because there's, there's two, but you, that only really, if you can have those separations. So we read, um, so we were in her program. So Adrian helped us a lot with defining you. That's when we decided, you know, Cass is CEO and I am COO mm-hmm. and defining those on, you know, paper, what that even looks like and what, who's responsible for what, um, so that we could make decisions sort of solo and start, you know, driving different parts of the business forward in that way. So Adrian really helped us define that. And then the book, um, there's two books. One of them is called traction. And I think Mm. the other one is called rocket fuel. And I can't remember which one had the partnership in it, but basically you find in one of those books and the integrator and visionary role. So there's always a visionary and integrator in Mm. any, or should be in any dynamic. You can't have two visionaries and you can't have two integrators. That makes complete sense to me. That makes complete sense to me because even if you don't have a partner, Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're a solopreneur, Mm -hmm. you know those two sides of yourself. Yes. Like you have the creative visionary who sees Mm -hmm. what it could be. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the implementation, Mm -hmm. then you can envision all you want. It's not going to get done. Yeah. And similarly, if you only have someone who's like, go, go, go. Yeah. Like get it done Mm -hmm. without that vision and that plan Mm -hmm. and that overall, you know, look, feel creativity. Like Mm -hmm. how do we help people? It's like having the right and the left brain. You can't just have one. Exactly. So how cool that you guys are able to play to your strengths and balance each other in order to scale faster. That's really, really cool. There's a test that you can take to know if you're a vision, what percentage you are of like visionary integrator. Cause most mm. of us as entrepreneurs, we most, at least, you know, my test came up like 50, 50 visionary integrator, 50, 50. And, um, Cass, I think came up like 90% visionary. Mm. And so I thought that was really interesting. So I chose to step into the, or we chose together to step into the, I would step into the integrator role. Cause it definitely felt more aligned for me in this company to be an integrator. Whereas, you know, I've felt more visionary in other scenarios and she very much is an incredible visionary. Um, that that like, also could yeah. be a really great place to start. If you're wondering where to start um, hiring help, like if you're yes, at a place in your business, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm just sort of thinking about the first mm-hmm. few people that I hired mm-hmm. and basically it was like, I want to hire someone to do the shit I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. and it's integration. <laughs> yeah. so that's really interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely going to take that test 
And maybe, man, we're going to have all the fun tests for you I guys. Know, I love good tests. I love, who doesn't yeah, love a good quiz, right? I mean, my type five, if you know anything about Enneagram type fives, they love their quizzes and data <laughs> and analytics and stuff like that. Um, although we are typed as very introverted and people are very surprised to hear I'm a type five, um, which is why I find Enneagram very, very interesting because it goes back to your nature versus nurture kind of childhood um, and understanding like the core of who you are versus, you know, adjusting, say a personality to be able to show up in the world or to be a a personality to me is very different than the Enneagram, which is Mm -hmm. really your core motivation or decision-making factor. But I love Enneagram. So I know I'm like, no, that's so, but that's, but even beyond the Enneagram, I think that's such a good point of like, however you arrive, understanding what motivates you is Mm -hmm. going to be perhaps the most valuable thing you learn about yourself if you're trying to build a business. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't understand what motivates you and you're just trying to quote unquote, Mm -hmm. make yourself do something, it's not sustainable. So So doing these quizzes and doing these, reading these books and learning all of these different skills and things, it's all to the end of what motivates me so that I can create the thing that I want to create. How mm-hmm. do I want to show up in the world and what's going to get me there? That's all it yeah. is. There's another one. I'm going to drop one more quiz. Um, that's called human design. Oh. I'm not super familiar with it, but it does talk because you're talking about motivations. There was, I've taken it and there was some really good insights around motivation Mm -hmm. and the reasons behind why we do something and one when we feel out of alignment or in alignment it's usually based off of being in or out of alignment with these I think it's called your center or something like that Mm -hmm. how you make decisions and I don't know too much about it so I don't want to talk to and give wrong information but there is a a woman named um, Victoria Human design. I don't know. I think that's what she is on Instagram. She spoke at one of the conferences I hosted online this year and she's wonderful. She talks about human design and um, I think it's just Victoria at human design. I'll send it to you. That's so fantastic. If you want to take another quiz. Totally. Well, hilariously, (laughs) the very first interview on this podcast was (laughs) with a human design expert. And I took the human design, like the whole thing. And she did my whole reading and explained what it was and the different types. So if you guys are curious, that quest, uh, that uh, episode is, I think it's episode two. So go back, listen to it. Episode two with Megan Siemens and check out this uh, Instagram handle that Shay is sharing with us. I'll put that in the show notes as well. There's so many different, this is, you know, this is a great note to end on. I think it is so cool that we get to have careers where we get to take fun personality tests and Mm. have it actually matter for our bottom line. Like there's a sense of play that I think is often missing in building a business because we're so focused on like, what's the conversion rate? What's the bottom line? How am I getting these leads? Where like, don't forget to have fun sometimes. Don't forget to know your Enneagram and like learn about yourself while you're at it. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so true. I love that you brought that like fun and play back into it because it almost kind of takes me back to that first question you asked around higher touch points and changes and different things that I have done differently in our company now. And I think that one of them is play and fun got kind of lost in the mix as you grow. I think in the beginning, there's so much play and fun because everything's so new. Once you grow your business to a certain point, have a large scale team, it starts to become a little bit more like a job. And there was, you know, that burnout point. And then, you know, you have to make a decision to change and you change. And I think one of the aspects unconsciously that we brought back in was probably play and, and fun within the team, within our company, within our products and services. So, um, I love that you made that point. Mm, I love that so much. What a great spot to end. You guys go find a place to play in your business. And also don't forget to check out bucket list bombshells. And I do want to mention before we go that Shay and Cassie have an amazing new membership 
that I would love if you shared more about what that looks like, how people can get their free trial. I'm super excited about it. I'm (laughs) going to do the free trial. If you guys want to do it with me, DM me on Instagram. This is going to be fun. Tell us all about it. So fun. Um, I'm excited to see you in there. So um, it's called the Bucketless Bombshells Collective, and it's our new membership we launched this year. And it's a business and community growth, a business growth and community membership. So it is for someone who has an online business or, or an in-person business, but they, they're about six months, maybe to the three-year mark, and you're looking to scale that. And what we do is we host a bunch of live events. So I bring in experts or I host them. Um, we do hot seats. So you get a bit of uh, coaching and masterminding with me specifically. And um, it's on a wide variety of topics and themes. So there's always a theme for the month. And I try to make sure it builds off the theme previously. And I give lots of actionable steps around your business growth. But at the same time, you're going to be connecting with other entrepreneurs. So I have many women that show up and now they're collaborating together just from networking in the events that we have and um, can making connections and growing their business. And we've seen many people scale from the four to five figure a month mark up to the six figure annual month mark. And it's just, it's only been open for eight months. And I'm like, so proud of that is really exciting that is really exciting like you said there's nothing like that personal somebody holding your hand Mm -hmm. walking you through it because you know there's so much information on the internet and yeah you could spend way too many hours of your life trying to piece things together but like why not go to someone who's done it before who's helped other hundreds of other people do it before Mm -hmm. and just like (laughs) take it easy on yourself by just having somebody help walk you through it sounds freaking great to me (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It's part of that kind of high touch point offering I wanted to be able to offer, but I wanted to find a way to do it on a mass scale, mm-hmm. um, which which is why I didn't do a group coaching program. Instead, I incorporated aspects of coaching and aspects of other en- mentors and experts that come in. So when you come in, we have a two week free trial um, for anyone listening to the podcast today, and that can be found at bucketlistbombshells.com slash collective. When when you enroll in the membership, you also will get access to all of the past content. So we have about eight months right now worth of, of content within both business and wellness. So we have business masterclass every month and wellness workshops every month, just Love like Love to hear host. that. I know. Love to hear that. Thank you for yes. setting it up that way. That makes I wanted my heart to so happy. That. Yes. I wanted to, I forgot to mention the wellness workshops because the pillars are basically exactly like your podcast and your pillars and what you practice and preach is about marrying the mental wellness with the business strategy. So we focus on both uh, within the, within the collective as well. I love that. Shay, thank you so much for being here, for sharing so much information and inspiration. (laughs) I'm, I'm feeling super pumped. I feel like I want to go start a whole nother ass business after talking (laughs) to you. So so thank you for being here and thanks everybody for tuning in to find your magic. Take care. Hey, Magic Maker, if you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.